I'm Elizabeth Meyer. And I'm Elizabeth Monson. And you are listening to our podcast, Talking to Myself, which is our podcast where we read self-help books and we structure our feedback around the books on a bi-weekly basis. And we have a really special announcement. Yeah, today we have our very first guest, Jenna Fain, who is not only one of my very best friends, but also one of the smart, smartest marketers that I have ever met and someone who regularly helps me kind of navigate career and life and everything. And she's also the founder of The Stone Set, which is the premier destination for luxury jewelry online. You should definitely follow at The Stone Set on Instagram, Snapchat, where else? I mean, anywhere online. you can find us. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm So we decided that we wanted to add some special guests into our series, and we figured what better way to involve our guests than to have them choose the book. So we are going to have Jenna introduce the book that we read this week and give a brief explanation of why she chose it. So Jenna, turning it over to you. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. Um, first off, I will say that I chose The One Minute Manager by Kenneth Blanchard and Spencer Johnson um, because my dear uncle recommended it as a really key management book to read when I was starting out in my, luckily, my early 20s beginning to manage people in the world of social media. I feel like I really needed some type of compass to help guide and inform me on the direction that I wanted to develop my management style. So I read this by the pool. Perfect. In an afternoon. Yeah. So I read it on the path. It's a quick read. And we're actually going to give you a quick recap of the key motifs. So you don't even need to read the Cliff's Notes version. So the basic gist of this book is that it gives you the three secrets for being an amazing manager. And the reason why it's called the one minute manager is because their idea is that it doesn't take you very long to do these things that will make you an incredibly effective and successful manager. So the three secrets in One Minute Manager are one minute goal setting, one minute redirects, and one minute praisings. And we actually realized something very funny is that I have a newer copy of the One Minute Manager where they have called it one minute redirects but what is it what did it used to be reprimands one minute reprimand so we've evolved a little bit past reprimanding the people that we manage now it's much redirect positive um but anyway so with every new project or with every new hire you start out with one minute goals and the idea here is that they are very quick concise and clear with a short description of what the goal is and ways that you can track the performance towards the goal Um, so that both the manager and the person who's reporting into the manager have clear understandings of what those goals are. And then one-minute redirects, sorry, one-minute praisings are quick compliments. I mean, praising is what it is, but quick praising on something that you've done right. So the idea is that the manager is watching what you're doing when you first start working with them, and they're looking for opportunities to encourage you in the right way to praise what you're doing so that you get trained towards good behavior rather than reprimanded against bad behavior. And then 
one minute redirects would come after you have sufficiently praised somebody and that's when you notice things that they're not doing exactly right and in that case you just need to be really direct and clear about what they've not done right and also like own up to whether that goes back to not being clear on goals or not being clear on like process or other things and in your version does the one minute redirect get followed by praise no in our version I don't that did not stand out to me but that does not mean that it doesn't so in in our version one of the things that they talk about this is the older version I'm referencing right now is that you give feedback to somebody, critical feedback mm-hmm. that drives back to their goals that you've set together. And you do it as soon as it happened. You don't let any emotions get pent up. You don't think about other things that you dislike about their behavior and you never criticize their character. It's right. always directly in response to the work that they've produced. And it's always immediately after the incident. And then it's followed by saying, generally, I think that you are a great, competent employee. So you give you let them down really hard for 30 seconds, and then you tell them that you really believe in them and you know that this is the only time that will happen. So the positive reinforcement's big in our version. Yeah, so I think of it as a little bit different because I wouldn't say, at least in my version, what I think he's doing after he reprimands is assures the person that he trusts them, which I think is actually a little, it was, I mean, it is different than praising somebody. And so I think that that there's a little bit of nuance there and it's that you have made a mistake. I'm telling you clearly what that is. It's not about your character, but I trust that you can do this and I trust in you in this project. And so mine wasn't so much about couching it in praise Although I do think that when you're insulting someone, the compliment sandwich is always helpful. Compliment sandwich is a nice way of putting it. I always hear bitch slap sandwich, but that's my circle of friends, I guess. This is all new to me. I'm taking notes. I just feel like generally when managing people, oftentimes the best praise results from the biggest mistakes. And I feel like those two things can't be so separate. I feel like oftentimes we as people... The only way we're going to be pushed to new boundaries to do better and to do more and to be more efficient is to really mess something up. Oh, totally. That's the way to learn and the way to learn if you're doing something right or if you're not. And I think the key takeaway here is really it's okay to make a mistake once. Just don't repeat that same mistake. And having the discussion helps you avoid making that mistake again because you've pointed out very clearly again what went wrong and how it won't happen again. Yeah. I also think it's important that you don't kind of like add up all of the problems. You deliver feedback immediately after it happens, like you mentioned. And so you're not in a situation where you're bringing up things that happened two weeks ago or last month when you did X, Y, or Z. Um, Because that's such a common mistake that people make when they're managing in or the, in relationships. Absolutely. And the worst thing that can happen is that that resentment starts to build and you find yourself kind of taking out your stressors as a human being who manages people on the people that you manage. 
I mean, right. yeah. you convince yourself that someone's just constantly making errors. Yeah. And you, I, I started to feel like that was a big organizational flaw because they often allude to performance reviews, which oh, totally. are usually semi-annual, biannual, sometimes annual. But if you are waiting to give people critical feedback for their performance reviews, then it's very natural that you take note of every single thing that you are not pleased with with regard to their performance so that it, it starts to become pent up and it starts to feel emotional. It's not about their behavior or their performance. It starts to be about the person. And I think that's where yeah. we go down a really dangerous path. My personal opinion is that nothing in a performance review should be a surprise. You should be in constant contact with your team and your people, really helping to guide them through the redirects, the reprimands, the praisings, whatever you know these two additions want to call it. Um, I really think that that's the best route to go. So we were doing some prep for this, and Jenna, you said that you had real issues with reprimands. What are your issues with or redirect. Redirects. <laughs> redirects. I think my main issue with the reprimand section is just that it shouldn't be such its own contained kind of negativity session. I feel like the best feedback and results are often delivered at once with both posit- positive and negative um, elements. Um, this just felt really harsh to me, and I don't know if that's because you know I started out as a young manager, but I feel like several elements of this just feel a little bit excessive to me, um, especially with the shake hands or touch them in a way that lets them know that you are honestly on their side. That's a quote. That's a direct quote from it. It is a direct quote, and I don't think that you should have to touch people for them <laughs> to have to know how that you feel. That sounds like more of an HR issue, and I would say I don't think that that's in the new version. Because maybe there were some complaints about whether or not that's okay or not. <laughs> um, but I think that makes sense. I mean, it's it's hard to give redirects in a way that feels both like non-emotional, but also that will lead to something that's more productive than how it started out. You know, my favorite way to give a reprimand slash redirect is to kind of start it with, hey, this looks really good, but next time, what if we did it this way? Because I feel like it allows people a moment to contextualize maybe how the recipient of whatever task that they were working on might consider something. Mm -hmm. And I use that constantly. One thing that is in my version, did you guys have that the sense of humor helps oh my god which i thought was kind of strange that it was like be straight be direct and then stop for a few seconds of uncomfortable silence to let them feel how you feel this isn't about you as a manager this is about you as a manager helping to guide someone on your team Mm-hmm. It's not about your feelings. It's about their actions and how they can improve. I thought that was really interesting, too. There are three pieces to the one-minute reprimand. One is the reprimand itself. The second is letting the recipient of the reprimand feel how you feel because you've told them how their behavior makes you feel. And then the third is telling them that you trust them and that you believe in them. And I was wondering as I was reading it how you can take a reprimand and make it something that's separate from emotion if you're telling them how you feel. Right. That's that's their whole point. They want to make you feel like it's not a personal attack. It doesn't have anything to do 
with you as an employee and that they're distinctly bringing up this instance because it was behavioral having to do with your work and having to do with it going against the goals that you've set. Yet they emphasize the fact that the manager should give them feedback on how it makes them feel. That seems counterintuitive. I would say, so what we were talking about quickly before is that one of the steps in it is remind them that you have confidence and trust in them and support their success. And when I read that, I thought back to my earlier career and I used to have a manager who would constantly tell me, like, I trust you, I support you, like, you've done this thing, but I have so much trust in you and, like, I'll always have your back in this. And that made it feel like it was easy for me. It did make it feel easy to receive feedback because you did feel supported and you felt like that person was on your side and was really trying to just contribute to making you better at what you're doing. But looking back, I was like, oh, man, maybe she was giving me a lot of feedback. And I didn't even, I hardly even noticed. But maybe that's just, fine. Yeah, maybe it just felt like active. someone was there to support you and not even like you were doing something wrong. Absolutely. So, Which brings me to my favorite part of the book, which is the saying, people who feel good about themselves produce good results. I would say the people that feel the best about themselves produce the best results. You just amped it up a notch. Isn't that what we're about? <laughs> That's what talking to myself is all about. Yeah. So can we talk about that a little bit? Can Do you have any situational experiences where you can talk about how your management styles have contributed to people feeling good about themselves? Absolutely. Put you on the spot yeah. right there. How do you make people feel good about themselves? Well, I always, I mean, just to take it back a notch, I always think about early on in my career, and while I was lucky to have, you know, really great managers and to work at great organizations um, and to lead kind of, well, not kind of, and to lead a great new area of marketing, I still think that if I wasn't treated well, I went into work feeling absolutely terrible, and it resulted in diminished returns on my work and output. So... My POV is that if you treat people great, like they're an essential part of your team, and like they're just good people, and like you're interested in their work and you want to contribute, even on a personal level, just beyond work, I think that drives the best results. All right, so I hear what you're saying, but I guess my question is, do you feel like making people feel good is about appreciating their work output, or does it go beyond and it really is about their life outside or treating them more like full people? How do you approach? Well, my opinion is that we need to treat the people that we manage like full people. The world that we live in and operate in, it's all online. You know, am I a bad manager if I see a milestone on someone's account and I don't mention it at work the next day? We're all connected in this world of ours, and I just feel like you really have to view someone as the full portrait of themselves within their life as a person in order to be an effective manager. So you follow everyone you work with on Snapchat? I do. And I find that it drives me to make my stories more efficient and more compelling. <laughs> it's a competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that new media or new media, that's such a dumb term that's a very dumb term um but it's hard yeah if you're seeing what people are doing every day then you come in and you're like oh well I saw you did this this weekend or you know I saw you had this moment that seemed to make you really happy I agree but I also think that it's 
being able to thread together all of these commonalities that you discover with people that you work with and you manage online that really makes being on the job on a daily basis, frankly, beautiful and magical. I feel more of a connection with everyone at my company when I'm able to see what they're experiencing as people outside of work. Yeah, it definitely helps figure out what they're passionate about. Can I come in and be the negative Nancy here for a second? Hates it. We can do it. I, I Counterpoint. A counterpoint. <laughs> so I had a colleague who I, I very much like as a person. I like everyone that I work with. But she has uh, another side to her on social media. Oh, what kind of side? Can you be a little bit rambunctious? And I have to say, I lost a little bit of professional respect for her when I started following her on her social channels. Granted, she is a fair bit younger than I am. Are they public or are they private? They're all public. They're all public. So if you're gonna have a racy social account, make it private. Yeah, racy. I'm so old. I guess I'm also pretty privileged in that most of the people that I've worked with in the past and present, they're all respectful and really smart and savvy about how they use their social accounts. As you should be if you work professionally in the medium. Right. If you work in social media, you should have an appropriate social media account. Yeah. I think that that's fair. So I I like that approach um, to, to, to management styles, getting to know people and getting to know what makes them tick. I think that that's pretty special, especially in this medium that we work in where there aren't really distinct rules about how to conduct anything. Like think about at the beginning of a project when you're setting your KPIs, how much of those KPIs evolved over the past five years? This industry just continues to morph. So I don't think that there should be cut and dry tactics on how you deal with your people. So what's the worst feedback you've ever received? I was trying to think about that. You know yours? Okay, Jenna. Oh, I know mine. I was told that because I wasn't good with numbers, I would never be a good marketer. Um, Which actually, I know. I mean, in retrospect, I mean, 70% of my job, I would say, um, you know, right now in this stage of life is dealing uh, with quantitative analysis and forecasting and budgeting and targeting. And while it was the worst feedback that I ever received and it destroyed me for several years and shattered my self-confidence, it was some of the best feedback I ever received because it let me immediately um, hone in on my area of perceived weakness by my manager at the time and it let me kind of develop I'm going to fight this spirit and show her and I believe that I have and I believe that she's proud of me and that's just a great thing to be able to look back on and, and remark on. Yeah. I mean, what seems really horrible at the time is now kind of a gift to your career. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Looking back at my relationships with some previous managers, I think before before feedback, the the one exercise that stands out as really missing in most instances is the goal setting in the first place. And I think that if goal setting is really lengthy, like they often tend to do in big corporations, um, it can actually detract from the reason that you've implemented that process in the first place. But it's really hard to get and give feedback in any capacity if you don't have an understanding preliminarily of what your expectations are. So I can't think of a scenario where the feedback was correlated to my work because I can't really think of too many scenarios where I've gone through a really smart and efficient goal setting process, which is sad, kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's where it starts. 
It has to. I also have to say that I really don't believe in giving negative, um, you know, performance reviews unless someone is severely, severely lacking in accomplishing any aspect of their job. Well, I think you're right when you said that nothing in performance reviews should be a surprise. Like, let's talk about praising for a bit. Get positive. Let's redirect this conversation. Oh, look at you. Um, yeah, let's redirect it towards praising. So what did you think about the praising section and his tactics for giving praise? So his basically what he was saying is that you should ask to be CC'd on every email that the person is sending. You should ask to be fully looped into everything that they're doing and constantly be on the lookout for moments to praise them. And you preface it with that. You say, I'm going to be watching you like a hawk for the next month or whatever because I'm going to be looking for times when I can praise you for what you're doing right. Right, and he warns his employees, he says this might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. it's not conventional, but that's why I'm asking for you to copy me on everything. I think that part's nice that he's very transparent about your logic for doing that I think oftentimes, especially as you grow within your roles, if a manager wants to be copied on every single thing you do, it instinctively makes you feel like you are not trusted. So being very upfront about your motives is important. I, I liked that our authors gave examples of a management tactic that breeds positivity. The phrase catch catch them doing something right is not something that you ever hear. You usually try to catch somebody doing something wrong. So sort of flipping that on its head was something that I felt was really nice and it seemed like it was something that everybody in... Are these like real situations? (laughs) We should actually talk about it because the structure of the book is laughable. It's really silly. And I am so guilty of telling stories like and then I said this and then he said that and it was like this and then they were like that which is horrible and it's a total verbal tick of mine it's not a good storytelling tactic and that is literally how this book is written you know one thing though that this book did make me kind of reflect on is this amazing article that my friend Emerald shared with me wait can I ask first can I interrupt you like totally rude were all of the characters men in yours no. One woman. Oh, we had one okay. woman, Mrs. Brown. They had two women. Oh. Say, all men, one woman. Yeah. Okay, so what, what did Emerald evolved. send to you? She sent me, um, she sent me this article called What Shamu Taught Me About a Happy Marriage that was in the New York Times in 2006. Oh, yeah, I've read this. It's an excellent read. I share it a lot. So give the... Cliff's Notes version of this. The premise is that a woman has found with her husband that kind of, forgive me, treating him like a trained animal, rewarding good behavior, and subtly ignoring the bad elicits the happiest marriage that she could hope for and the best communication. Yeah, I've heard that this works. My friend Becca also, she's a psychologist and she says that the best way to change things sometimes is accepting them as they are and it's kind of similar. A lot of people also compare this shamu tactic to raising kids right? I mean point is is 
your kids are looking for attention and to cause trouble if they act out. So if you reward the good behavior, it ultimately mm-hmm. leads to better resolution and better ongoing behavior. The reason I connected it with this is just because I really thought constantly of that relationship between praisings and reprimands slash redirects. Yeah, I, I agree. I just feel like it didn't really gel for me. I feel like the two should almost um, either be totally separate or converged upon delivery. There yeah, is actually the... a section in this book where they they talk about the similarities in giving positive reinforcement to both children and also to animals. And it does talk about how people who are successful at these one-minute management techniques are also successful in other relationships in their lives. But I don't know, should we talk about this a little bit? I mean, I think managing people is so much, so much of it is what you do and kind of managing your own expectations or activities that, of course, it filters into your relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic relationships. Yeah. I can definitely remark on that. Sometimes my boyfriend will say to me, are you managing me right now? Is that something you use on your people? Does it work? (laughs) I mean, yes. You kind of get into a zone where you find out what works and you try it on at home. And I think it's just constantly humorous and surprising. Yeah. I don't know that I'm very successful at managing my boyfriend. Well, yeah, I'm not either, clearly. (laughs) Well, one of the sayings that is written in this book between every single section, there's sort of one big takeaway. And mm-hmm. um, one it's of them his that... screensaver. Oh, right, his screensaver. So one of them that resonated with me was the best minute I spend is the one that I invest in people. Mm-hmm. So I think just having that approach, then it's obvious that that will infiltrate the rest of your relationships. If you believe in investing in people, it's not going to stop with the people you manage. And this is not the first book that we've read that has talked about that. I mean, this is going to be a thread in, I think, every management book we read. The more, the better you treat people, the better work that they produce. Can we talk a little bit about one section where they outline the difference between the best candidates and candidates that are disguised as losers? Again, I don't know if they call it that in the revamped version of the book. Yeah, I think it was. But, so, so... The theme there is that you can either, as a leader, spend a lot of money on top-tier talent, or you can recognize somebody who has a whole lot of potential and go through these exercises to craft them into top-tier talent. And it's pretty astonishing how infrequently companies choose one of those two directions. In fact, oftentimes new employees start at a job without any direction. This is directly from the book, not from experience per se, but start without any direction and then are continually dinged for things that they did wrong. Right. So again, yes, training is really, really important. Yeah, and I think that's part of goal setting. Well, if you don't have a great training system at your company, if you set smart goals, that can almost work like in some ways it can work kind of like training. Yeah. I also think that just as important as setting goals is setting expectations. What do you expect as a manager on behalf of the organization and on behalf of yourself? Mm-hmm. You mean set expectations for the people who work for you or set them for yourself? Oh, yes, yeah, set them. I mean, of course, for yourself, but mm-hmm. also for the people that work for you. Yeah. 
So what is the best praise you've ever received? No, silence. You guys don't ever get praised. It's so typical, right? We're sitting here talking about how to build amazing people at work, and the minute we get asked to speak highly about ourselves, we're both silent. Oh my God. This is tough. I'm just going to say it. Someone told me that I was a visionary in the digital world, and that really, I think, was my moment that I wanted to just like record it and just listen to it on my phone a bunch. That's a really that's nice awesome. thing yeah, to hear. Yeah, that's a great thing to say. Was so, it your manager? And I'm not even making it up. It was no. your manager? It was. That's really great. Wow. That's really nice. So I just thought of one when I was at a a previous company, I started a digital education series for senior leadership because I realized that a lot of really cool programs that we suggested were not being implemented because there was a gap in understanding about how they would work for our business. Mm -hmm. And so the president of the company who I really admired started coming to these sessions and she was very quietly sitting through them. She, um, sort of had this brick and mortar marketing background and within the company was really focusing on design and she mostly never asked any questions, just took notes, came to the meetings. And then we were in a meeting with a luxury wholesaler and I was meeting an entirely different team that I'd never worked with before and she fed them some really nice compliment about my competency in the digital realm. And that was kind of like, oh, well, she had never said this to me personally. She just attended my meetings. And now here we are in front of all these people I just met, and she's praising me. So I, that was That's one great. that really stood out. Yeah. That's really nice. How about you? You know, I feel like I had one recently that was kind of surprised me. It wasn't from someone who manages me. They are more senior than I am and we were just having a conversation about some challenges opportunities at work and she just said some nice things and said that she thought that I was really competent and that I do a good job and that I should feel confident in that and it really boosted my confidence that day it felt great doesn't that make you want to say that to more people when you believe it I feel like so often I think these things and I talk about it outside of my realm and don't and don't often enough give direct praise to people that I work with. Well, it's probably something you think a lot, but don't, doesn't, I don't know, you don't even think to say it because you don't know how, you don't think about how meaningful it is to people. Yeah, and it's true. And even right here and talking about, you know, the best praise that I received, I feel panicky and uncomfortable because I think we're almost like deconditioned to, to be able to sit and be comfortable with really you know, excessive and unexpected praise. Mm -hmm. I almost think that competency, which is what you both said was the best praise you received, is the best compliment you can hope for because it just means that you're doing your job, you're capable, you're showing up. Another thing is I have also just been trying to appreciate work that people are doing. So, yeah, people don't really need a thank you email to clog their inbox, but I am trying to show more appreciation for work that people do and let them know that I notice. I think that's a nice tactic. How would you apply any of these learnings into your day-to-day? Yeah, I think that I will. In what respect? Do you think think that you are quick with your feedback, or do you wait until an opportune moment to give it? Do you think that it was good advice to let people know exactly what they did right as soon as they do it right? Yeah, I'm not quick enough with redirects. 
Same. I think in a lot of areas. Or you think, oh, like that wasn't perfect, but I'm going to let it slide because it's not that big of a deal. When in fact, that's the best opportunity because it's not that big of a deal. So if it's not done right, it's okay. And you can really quickly give someone feedback to help them in the future. Yeah. And I think the idea of when you wait and kind of like stockpile things that people did wrong, then it really can build resentment. And it, yeah, that's, that's what I'll say there. I think a general takeaway I had was that I really liked that these types of reprimands, redirects were delivered in person, especially now in the way that we're set up. You know, we have Gchat, we have Facebook Messenger, we have email, we have text, we have so many ways that we can be working with with our teams in order to get the job done in the digital world that I find like doing it face-to-face just makes all the difference and cuts out all unnecessary panic and stress and it just makes it a lot more efficient. With or without the touching? No touching. No No touching at all. No touching. (laughs) You can smile (laughs) a lot, but no touching. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... And it's just like you have to help people grow. That's what this is all about. Yeah. And they can't really grow if you're delivering that feedback via email. Well, the other thing that is in this book that they make pretty clear is that the best way to learn these things is learn it from someone who's doing it in real time with you. So the hope is, is if you're giving the right goal setting, the right praise, the right redirects, that you'll build people who in turn become really great one minute managers. The one thing that we didn't touch upon, which I can't believe we have it because it's pretty central to this, We've talked a lot about how these three secrets apply to people. That's really important. Obviously, it's something that we talk about in most of our episodes. We did not talk about how it applies to productivity. And and I think the thought behind this is that one-minute managers spend so little time tied up with insignificant details of their day-to-day because they are efficient in the way that they manage and it allows for increased efficiencies. So that ultimately is the goal. It's you want to create a great place for people to work. You want people to grow. You want them to feel great about themselves. You want them ultimately to turn into one-minute managers themselves, but also you want to produce great work. Right. It causes better business. One of my all-time favorite business books is called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McKeown. Both books really focus on how you should spend 20% of your time achieving 80% of the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Minimum input, maximum output. Now okay. I feel like we're like badass business ladies. It's, this is what having we special are. guests does. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask you guys, what do you think in general is the best business advice that you've been given? Ooh. I mean, mine, mine still stems back to training. I mm. think the best business advice in all of our books is to invest time in training new people and to, to, to treat people like you care about them. I really love that the first thing you talked about, Jenna, was just being nice to people, being enthusiastic about their work, recognizing what they do, having interest in them as people. Being nice is just 
to mean one of the number one tenets of starting off good management on the right foot. Yeah, everything we've been reading and I think advice that I've been given is just, yeah, be nice to people. Be nice and work hard. You should get t-shirts. You know, one thing that I thought this book didn't really focus on was change and how to navigate the changing workplace, especially in the digital era. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe next we'll do Who Moved My Cheese. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of, it doesn't deal with a lot of nuance, but it's a, it's a good basis. Absolutely. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for recommending this book and for recording with us. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thanks, Elizabeth. Where can people find you? You can find me... Pretty much anywhere, quite easily. What's at, your Instagram personal? It's at Jenna Fain. I'm still finding my Insta style, but you can also follow for pretty jewelry at the stone set. Great.